morning. Let's turn together in our Bibles to Psalm 28 as we continue our series um, asking questions, looking at questions, uh, timeless questions from the Psalms. We'll see in Psalm 28 today, David does not uh, ask a question explicit like he does elsewhere, but we'll see that there, there are questions answered for us uh, about vital information, inside information uh, that we need for life, for all of life. Psalm 28 in three sections as we go along, but just to give you an idea of where we're going, uh, we're looking today at inside information, and uh, we'll see that, first of all, mercy can be found because of in, inside information. Uh, second, we'll see that justice will be served because of inside information. And lastly, thanksgiving should be offered in light of inside information. So let's, let's go before the Lord again in prayer and ask his blessing on our time and his word understanding of it. Father, we give you thanks. Uh, we've just sung about you, our, our great triune God, and, and the various roles that you, our God, uh, serve in our life, Lord, to show us your healing and your grace. And uh, Lord, in light of that, we come to this morning of people that need grace. Lord, beginning with me, we're sinful. Lord, we need healing. Lord, we are broken and fractured in ourselves and our relationships. And we need your help. And we're grateful, Lord, that with you, all these things are given to us freely and abundantly through Christ. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your words. And Lord, as we come to it, we pray, Lord, uh, we, for your spirit. We thank you for him. We pray he'll help us to understand. Father, uh, we're excited about Thanksgiving this week, seeing family and friends. At the same time, we acknowledge these are difficult times um, around us, and Lord, particularly the holidays and, and many things uh, threaten our focus on you, our, our desire to be thankful. And so, Lord, you know those issues in our hearts and minds that, that challenge the thankfulness that, that's yours, that should be yours. So, Lord, uh, we pray, meet us in our struggles. We pray, Lord, that you will be glorified, you'll be cherished, you'll be thanked again as we think through what you have before us. We pray your spirit, Lord, would also help me in my weakness be able to explain your word. And Lord, most of all, help us to see Jesus. He's our great hope and we need him. And we pray, Lord, he'll be uh, exalted this hour. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last year, uh, we saw a number of cases in the news of a, an age-old problem. Last year involved senators from both parties raised questions in their behavior about inside information as it relates to public trading. Did they benefit from inside information they knew about issues related to COVID? And, and certainly we've seen people throughout history uh, benefit from inside information that was known only to a few uh, to the exclusion or advantage of other people. Today I want us to think about inside information that is given not just to a few, but it's here before all of us to benefit freely and abundantly. It's life-giving inside information. It's about 
not trader information about the stock market. It's about ultimate realities that take place on the inside. So we're looking today at inside information about ultimate realities that take place on the inside as it relates to God and the implications and benefits that it has to us. So let's think first about the great uh, truth that mercy can be found because of inside information. We'll begin reading in verse uh, 1. We'll read these first two verses. This is God's Word where David says this. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. So the inside information here is that a merciful God dwells on the inside of his sanctuary. We don't know the exact situation that David's facing here. We'll see in the next section he's thinking a lot about those around him that are involved in evil. We're not told it's explicitly aimed towards him, but it's to the point where it's caused him great grief and concern. And so his prayer here is seeking mercy because God dwells on the inside of his sanctuary. And so as he cries out in verse 1, his great prayer there is, don't let me be like those who go down to the pit. Elsewhere, he talks about the pit as a synonym for either the grave or the experience of death. And so in one sense, he's saying, I don't want to die right now. I think there's also a sense in which we see this more explicitly elsewhere where David doesn't want to be like those he's concerned about in his midst. Because in some context, the pit refers to God bringing destruction on the wicked. He doesn't want to be like those that die, but he's also concerned about those around him that warrant the pit. And so in light of that, in light of that great concern, he's asking for mercy. And of course, what is mercy? Mercy is saying, please don't give me what I deserve. I, I know I have this coming to me, but please, would, would, you, would you withhold it from me on this occasion? He's, he says in verse 2, hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. His question is a question that continues throughout the ages. It was the question of Martin Luther. How can I find a merciful God? And so here's the inside information that's not limited just to a few traitors, but it's, it's for all to know of. He says in verse 2, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands... Toward your most holy sanctuary. Of course, at this time in history, when David writes this, the sanctuary, remember, was the tabernacle. It was a temporal tent that could be lifted up and, and transported. We, saw, we see that in the Exodus event when it's built uh, in the wilderness and the people of God carry the sanctuary with them on the way to the promised land. 
But we see this expression, most holy sanctuary, come up a number of times in the book of 1 Kings, where you remember David's son Solomon, he's tasked with building something more permanent, a brick and mortar, if you will, the temple. And in 1 Kings 8, after the, the temple had been completed and that phrase, the most holy sanctuary, had been used, we're told, it says, the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant to the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place. Of course, David knew at this point, Solomon knew, the people of God knew that where the Ark of the Covenant was, in a very unique, mysterious sense, this omnipresent God was there in a more tangible expression in the midst of his people. A holy God dwelt among a sinful people. And he did that because in that inner sanctuary, in that most holy place, was that Ark of the Covenant. And it was there that the high priest went behind that curtain, that curtain that represent this chasm between a holy God and sinners. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, that priest went behind that curtain and he offered up a substitute. The people of God saw mercy in a tangible, visible way. They, say they saw God's mercy carried out physically in front. That should be me that dies today. But I've been shown mercy because God has initiated a substitute to be taken behind that curtain. The blood of that sacrifice there presented to a holy God. And the holy God said, my people are clean. They are forgiven. So David doesn't mention all those things. But he's using sort of a shorthand for us. When we read this, we're reminded of the place he's talking about. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, behind that curtain. David knows he can plead for mercy because behind that curtain, in that holy sanctuary, David knew that mercy was extended by a gracious God. Now, David knows that mercy is his. It's abundantly offered. But at the same time, David acknowledges a struggle that sometimes I think we're perhaps not sure how to talk about out loud when it seems that God's not listening to those cries, when it seems He's not acting. When He said He would, and yet for some reason the circumstances seems as if, David says, as if God's deaf. We mentioned Martin Luther a few minutes ago. There were periods in Luther's life, in light of all that he faced on the outside, after the Reformation was underway, where he was discouraged, faced great opposition, even among his own um, confidants, misunderstood at times. And so this one particular season of life, his wife Katie noticed that, that Luther was distant to her and, and seemed detached. And so one day he happened to notice that she was wearing the traditional black garb of the day that was worn for funerals. And so Luther was taken aback because he didn't recall hearing anything in the village that anyone had died. And so he said, who died? 
And Katie said, it seems that God has died. She knew that Luther was struggling. She knew that he felt distant from God. She was wanting him to remember God is not dead. And in those moments where God seems deaf to us, Luther, David, we ourselves have to come back to the fact that God is still merciful. We don't know what his thoughts are exactly behind that curtain. We know they're ultimately for good. But like David, like Luther, we must continue to persevere. And that is difficult. But when we reflect on the fact we've been given this inside information, that should encourage us to, to move forward. Yes, mercy is still available to me. Especially when we think about where would I be apart from God's mercy. And that leads us to the second section of David's prayer. We've seen that mercy can be found because of inside information. Next, we're reminded that, that justice will be served because of inside information. Here we come into contact now with the, those around David that are causing him angst. And we read in verse 3, Do not drag me off with the wicked. He saw how he, he didn't want to be like those that go down to the pit. Now he's saying, I don't want to be dragged off like them. I don't want to be like them. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them no more. The inside information that's vital here for us, that's made available to all of us, is that God knows what's on the inside. He lives inside that current, but he also knows what's on the inside of us. He knows the ultimate realities that are are taking place within our hearts and minds. Notice that, that David says in verse 3, that second section, they speak peace to their neighbors, and yet evil is in their hearts. And we open up talking about those involved or suspected with inside information. Just a few months ago, we reminded someone else that uh, we know a good bit more about his financial dealings, not so much with inside information, it's just outright fraud. Remember back in April, Bernie Madoff died behind bars. Bernie Madoff, you recall, was exposed in 2008 for years of this elaborate ruse, this, this great scheme that built thousands of people out of millions of dollars. Among his clients was Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel, remember he uh, won a Nobel Peace Prize for some of his work related to the Holocaust and widely known about his experiences and what he went through as a young boy. And he was one of the investors that had trusted Bernie Madoff. And as Wiesel reflected on that, that friendship, that interaction, what he thought was a friendship, he said that Bernie Madoff made a very good impression their first meeting had nothing to do with finances. Just getting to know each other and talking about life. We read about 
the details of Bernie Madoff and were reminded of what he was like on the outside. His lawyer said, although the crimes Bernie was convicted of have come to define who he was, he was also a father and a husband. He was soft-spoken and an intellectual. Bernie was by no means perfect, but no man is. Going back and, and rereading some of the details last week about just exactly what he pulled off. Perhaps you had a similar response when you heard of his death or when the news first broke of the scandal. I was angry to read about this deception. How someone who seemed so kind and trustworthy on the outside, sharing his, his vast knowledge, what seemed to help others. I was angry to read about that something that, that Christians and non-Christians can share. We're, we're all made in God's image, and regardless of where we stand with Christ today, we can look at that and see how he wiped out not just Nobel Peace Prize winners, but retirees. Wiped out their entire savings. Because we're made in the image of a just God, we rightly resonate with that. And I confess, a part of me, when I read about him dying behind bars... I'm frustrated. I want to see him suffer. I confess that to you. And I would like to think that was in righteous anger. But I'm reminded this past week that many times my anger is not righteous. This past week I, I lost my temper in front of my family and I took it out on them. And as that event came and went that evening I was angry with myself for getting so angry how can I as a Christian respond like this and, and I told uh, my kids I told Rebecca and confessing that you know, I'm still angry even as I, I'm telling you I was wrong as, as theologians from the past once said my repentance needed repentance And I, I told my children last night, I want you to know that as I get up tomorrow and preach, and I'm telling you today, I don't have it all together. I am deeply flawed. I'm a, I'm a sinful person. I still deal with issues on the inside. And I would rightly face the justice that David speaks of here. David knows the human heart. He writes elsewhere about his own heart. We would face the same end as Bernie Madoff, as those contemporaries of David, apart from a merciful God. And so today, perhaps you would have wanted nothing to do with Christ. Maybe you're here visiting for Thanksgiving, and you're here just to, um, for tradition or, or just to be with family. We're glad you're here. This information is for all of us. The, the, the end that we face because of not just what we do on the outside, but what's on the inside. We are all, we are all like this. I want to encourage you today to know that mercy can be found. See, this, this judgment that David speaks of here is pointing us not just to his contemporaries being brought down, but it's pointing us to the, the great reality that the Bible is pointing to of Judgment Day, where Bernie Madoff will meet his maker in the fullest sense and, and full justice be meted out on him. 
they'll be also fully meted out on all of us apart from Christ. Because the good news that, that provides us an escape, that provides us with hope, as just as David's concern for the wicked points us to judgment day, that, that reality on the inside of the curtain points us to something else. A greater reality of a once-for-all sacrifice. No more animal sacrifices. No more curtain. No more high priest. All those realities pointed us to one priest, to one sacrifice in the same person. God himself had to step into our situation to take on human flesh, to do what no one could do. David, me, none of us. He lived that perfect life. So when he died on the cross, it was a perfect once-for-all sacrifice that offers mercy to sinners such as us. Now, we, we mentioned earlier that sometimes we're like Dave. We face a situation where it seems God is deaf. And while we don't know, again, the details of what he dealt with here, let's look at this final section where we see that, that God did, in fact, intervene. He answered those prayers for mercy. Uh, and we'll see here that uh, thanksgiving should be offered because of inside information. Verse 6, uh, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. David refers to the Lord as his strength and his shield. In that request for mercy, God intervened and was David's strength and his shield. Steve Rogers was a, a sick, sick and weak young man from New York who served with distinction in the Army during World War II. And his distinct service came about because of strength and a shield. Not long after he enlisted, some scientists injected him with an experimental serum that provided him with superhuman strength. And with that strength... He was also given this indestructible shield that he went on to use in a variety of situations, defensively, offensively. Now, Steve Rogers is a fictional character. Perhaps you know him better as Captain America. But in his great weakness, Steve Rogers had the great benefit and blessing of someone from the outside acting upon him to supply what he didn't have it, can never have. Someone acted on him to give him the strength. Someone acted to intercede and give him the shield. And so we read or we watch his exploits and we escape into this fictional world in which he lived. But in that fictional world, we're also reminded that these benefits to see this information... Uh, it was not just for him alone. If you've kept up with um, the Marvel series and you perhaps watched uh, the series 
uh, this past year, you remember that that shield was passed on to his friend Sam Wilson. His friend uh, Bucky Barnes had been injected with that same serum. They didn't have everything that Steve had, but they were thrown together, strengthened shields. In the early goings, a lot of their problems were just between them and their struggles on the inside from issues in the past and issues with each other. But together they went forwards and exhibited that strength and shield for the benefit of others. Now the good news is, is that the strength and the shield that, that David speaks of here, that's not fictional universe, this is reality. It may look different. We may not be taking on uh, Absalom or Saul or Goliath like David did, but we still need this inside information because this inside information, it produces thanksgiving, and that's what God is doing. Notice he says in verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. And my heart exalts with my song. I give thanks to him. David sees the external realities he faces of the evildoers. He doesn't know when they're going to be brought down. But he has to come back to these inner realities. Apart from God behind the curtain, inside the sanctuary, I face what's due those who have wicked hearts. But, but praise God, I've been shown mercy. And that leads my heart to thanksgiving. When I see where I would be otherwise. And so David wants this not to be secret information for just a few, but he wants all of us to know this. This is inside information for all of God's people. Notice he says in verse 8, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. David, like Saul before him and Solomon and their successors, they were called the Lord's anointed. You remember when David was set apart by God, the prophet Samuel, he poured that flask of oil on David as he knelt. And on that occasion, the Holy Spirit was also poured out from above. That, that oil symbolized ultimate realities that took place that needed to take place on inside of David through the Holy Spirit. And it's this word anointed from which we get the parallel terms Messiah and Christ. David was the Lord's Christ, lowercase c. And here too, we're reminded of all these things in this passage points us to the ultimate in Jesus, the ultimate anointed one. He is our anointed one. He is our Messiah, our King. He's also our shepherd who carries us forever. David's looking at these realities in their final sense. He, he sees the wicked being rebuilt no more, and he sees this eternal carrying of God's people by their shepherd. Last year when we moved, if you've moved and, and you have pets... It's one thing to move uh, dogs or uh, goldfish, something like that. But when you move a cat, that's something entirely different. 
And so um, our cat Latte was quite traumatized by all the, the commotion and the upheaval created by us and by the movers. And so she hid. At one point we thought she had actually made a break for it outside and I, I couldn't find her. And so uh, in the course of transitioning from our former house to our current house, uh, Rebecca and I had to go. We had to sign documents in selling our house. Then we go to a different location, sign documents for our house. That really took an entire work day. And so with that, the kids were in school, I had, I, and our parents couldn't come and help. I had to take Latte everywhere I went in her carrier. So it was hot and, and you, know, you know, just ongoing uh, traumatizing experience. So we finally moved into our home, put her clean food out and put clean litter in her litter box. She was so traumatized, she went upstairs, still unsure of herself, and lay down in her litter box. Now, thankfully, it was clean, but she was, you could tell she was emotionally scarred by that. Now, I couldn't fully communicate, even though I tried, I couldn't communicate to her, I'm carrying you, you're safe with me, I'm not about to let anyone harm you. But in her mind, a safe place was the last place that she would ever want to go normally. And think about it, sometimes we feel like latte. When we don't see God carrying us for good purposes, we don't know where he's taking us to, everything around us is threatening. It seems we have no other recourse but to go back to filth of the past, to sin. You know, this um, coming week will be the first time we've ever celebrated Thanksgiving without Rebecca's mom, and we're still dealing with that pain, and, and so, are, so are you. You're, you're dealing with that, that first holiday season uh, of not having that special loved one. Oh, and, and for some of you, this is an annual grief. We think about uh, that situation. We were here on a Wednesday night at church, and we first got the news that Rebecca's mom had a stroke. And uh, we prayed fervently, as did some of y'all, and we appreciate that greatly, the solidarity. We had others outside of our church that, that were praying, and initially the report was that, that she might be okay. It might impact her mobility or speech, but there was this initial thought that she was going to be okay. And, of course, we latched onto that in hope. And, and you know, we, still, we still struggle with that. Why didn't God... Uh, intervene the way we had asked some of you can relate to that story why didn't God intervene and and spare the life of my loved one and others perhaps and that's a foreign experience because you've seen your prayers answered the way we would all like to see so perhaps that's your situation today as you think about Thanksgiving this week and, and you feel like we do as a family, you feel like our cat, you're out of sorts and, and you're unsure. We have to keep coming back, as difficult as it is, the fact that I am being carried by my shepherd. I'm, I'm being carried by the one who lives behind the veil. The one who's not cast me away in frustration and human anger like mine. Perhaps you're not dealing with any of those griefs, those concerns, but today 
Your, your struggle is, where can I find a merciful God? You, you have been plagued and tormented with this new relapse into old sin. You're, you're going back to old ways, habits you thought that the Lord had helped you get over. Whatever your situation is today, we have to come back to what David did. David knew God's word. He was an author of it. But David had to keep coming back to the inside information. There's a God behind the curtain. And he's merciful. He's given me that physical, tangible reminder of that mercy. And brothers and sisters, that's what's before us today. Those realities that took place behind the curtain, the realities that point to Jesus on the cross. Jesus in his mercy is our great shepherd. He's given us a tangible reality. Because he knows that we struggle on the inside. He says today, come and feast at this Thanksgiving table. So if, if you're weary and you're hurting, you're grieving today with those questions on the inside, why God? He calls you today, come and be nourished. Be reminded of, of the Lord's mercy yet again. His mercies, God's word tells us, are new to us every morning. If you're looking for a gracious God and, and you're wanting mercy and you've been trying to fight that good fight, this too is a table for you. It's a, a visible reminder that God is merciful. If you're seeking to fight that good fight, this is explicitly for you to find mercy and grace. Come and feast. Perhaps you're in that season of life where you're trusting in Christ alone. You know He's your only hope. You know that full well intellectually, but on the inside there's resistance that you're putting up and you've been playing around with sin. This is a day where you too can find mercy. This is not the end. But today, if that's your situation, we'd, we'd urge you to take this time and let these elements pass. Don't partake today. And use this time instead to, to reflect on God's mercy to you, your ongoing need for Him. If you need to talk to someone, we can, we can do that. Talk to a member of the staff, session, the diaconate, women's leadership team, or just maybe the person beside you, another Christian. We're not meant to go through this alone. But today, if you're, you know that you, you want nothing of the gospel. You, you're, you're consciously rejecting Christ. Then we'd ask you to let the elements pass as, out of respect as well. And, and we'd urge you to really rethink this. You know, your, your anger towards Bernie Madoff is a reminder that we are made in the image of a just God. And we have to remind ourselves that we face his justice as well, apart from Christ. Use this time to reflect. And I'd urge you to seek someone out that would listen well and walk through you with this. If, if you're a child that has recently come to trust Christ and yet you've not yet uh, talked to the elders about that, first of all, know that we rejoice with you and your parents that you've come to trust the Lord. That's a wonderful thing to be celebrated and to give thanks for. But please, today, seek someone else so we can schedule that, that learning more about that. But until then, we'd ask you to let the elements pass. So let's, let's now take a moment and um, pray. We're going to set apart the elements.
and uh, prepare to come to the Lord's Supper. As we prepare to do that, we're reminded of what uh, Paul writes to us from his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11, he says uh, this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he he calls us later in this section to examine ourselves. And let's pause now and examine ourselves, and we'll set apart uh, the elements. Come to you today. In need of mercy yet again, not on our own merit. Lord, we're in need of, of Christ. And so we thank you for this table you've given to us, this tangible reminder, Lord, of your mercy. Father, we pray now you would um, prepare our hearts and minds as we worship you in songs, prepare to come to the table. And Lord, as we prepare for this, we pray uh, even now, set apart these elements, Lord. Uh, from their common ordinary purposes, Lord, for your sacred purposes to equip us, to renew us, to make us more in the image of your Son. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.